There is a space where you are all you need, where you are all you want. All there is is here. Welcome to the Source Connection, conversations about who we truly are, the possibilities of creation and the new earth we are birthing, with your host, Tara Long and Liz B. Hi, everyone. Liz B. here with my co-host, Tara Long, and our very, very special guest, Andy Kaufman. Let's just tune in a minute to this present time, sharing together here some silence and some breath. I would invite you to sit comfortably and feel your feet on the ground. And if you're lying down, just... Get cozy. Drop whatever you need to drop and just come into this now moment together. You can close your eyes. You can roll your shoulders back and open your heart. Let's just breathe long and deep. Taking inventory for what's happening internally in your physical, mental, emotional bodies. Just bring all of that together into this now. If your mind is racing, you can inhale and mentally vibrate loving and exhale and mentally vibrate awareness. Dropping all expectations, no programs, all to-do lists, and just being right here, right now.
If you wonder, bring the mind back to your breath and focus back to your breath. Just enjoying the last few moments here. Maybe a little deeper, a little longer. A little fuller. Let's take one deep inhale together and let's side out. <sighs> when you're ready, open your eyes, stretch if you need to, or keep your eyes closed, whatever feels good. Thank you, Andy, for being here today with us. It's nice to be here. Yeah. Would you tell us what brought you to this now moment, sitting here together, a little bit of your story and, um, yeah, what has unfolded for you? Sure. Um, I think it kind of uh, goes back to a period in my life about uh, six or seven years ago when there was um, a couple of uh, personal tragedies, if you will that led me to look at things a little bit differently. And um, I had a friend who kind of urged me to look into some things uh, with respect to the uh, climate change issue. And so I kind of had this moment where there was a, a lot of grief and a lack of meaning in my life. Mm -hmm. And I kind of just adopted a challenge to try and um, disprove my friend's uh, conclusions about that issue. And I kind of embarked upon this, uh, you know, searching uh, journey. And, and what I found led me to realize that um, the narrative that I was uh, taught and had put a lot of energy toward was actually not based in reality. Uh, in other words, the evidence wasn't there to support it. It was uh, something that was manufactured for some other purpose. And so this kind of really created a major internal conflict for me and uh, created kind of a dark uh, void almost because mm -hmm. I began to look into other issues and found the same kind of pattern and my worldview began to collapse. And at the same time, I had two influences in my life that really helped me look at that conflict from a spiritual perspective. Mm 
Mm. Um, and then one was my, uh, my now ex-wife who kind of pushed me to start a meditation practice. Mm. Um, and then my, the same friend who had kind of challenged me on this issue uh, also uh, explained to me that it created this kind of divide and that you had to um, pursue like self-development work and look at the bigger issues uh, in order to keep the perspective and, you know, stop from becoming paranoid or depressed or yes. uh, reactionary uh, or, you know, whatever uh, other negative influence. And so that um, ultimately led me to discover um, a sort of spiritual advisor, Neil Kramer, and um, I began looking at his material, and at the same time, I had already been studying meditation and had gone through several practices, like I studied first mindfulness, and then uh, metta meditation, and then Vedic meditation, ultimately. And, um, and then once I began uh, working individually with Neil, I also then began to study Western esoteric uh, philosophy and spiritual philosophy and and then this started me on a self-development path um, and you know it also coincided with uh, my divorce so there was you know just darkness from every angle and it was like you know the phoenix uh, burning up in the ashes and then re-emerging yeah. anew right this kind of now I see it as uh, an alchemical transformation process mm. um, but this is what helped me prepare for, um, you know, what I kind of feel was my destiny, which was to uh, come out and be a voice of truth in the context of the, the pandemic. Um, but had I not been on this journey, I wouldn't have been able to have the courage to do that or the willingness to take a risk um, because I did end up really sacrificing my medical career um, in the sense of a licensed physician, um, you know, as a result of taking that path. So I'm very grateful, um, you know, for all of the circumstances and um, men and women who helped uh, push me on that on that right path. And I think that's um, now, you know, the inevitable conclusion of that um, uh, realization of, you know, what I view as as my destiny has uh, brought me to this moment. And now that I've uh, helped uncover or, you know, educate people about uncovering the uh, lies and, and uh, frauds around uh, medicine and health and biology, I'm trying to um, now educate uh, about what, what do we know that's true? What can you do to actually um, help your, uh, your body, mind, and spirit heal um, so that you can be and do everything that you want uh, out of this embodiment of life. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it's so, um, so important as you talk about, Andy, the grounding during this time and the knowing ourselves. And um, mm. like you said, it was a preparation for you, you know, the, the tragedy to now it was eight years ago, you said. So, so really you've been on what we could call an awakening journey, if you will, for those eight years, right. Unfolding and, and it, um seems like it's brought you at least at least currently to what Liz and I were just looking at, which is the alchemical detox program, right? That's a fairly new iteration of your work. And it seems like it's a, a lot. It's like so much just in, in this, be like beautifully, like, and it's not just detoxing the body, right? You talk about 
detoxing in, in all levels in all areas. So, I mean, we if you want to talk about that a little bit right now, it could be a good, a good place. Yeah, well, you know, it's something that, so I began studying natural healing at some point, and I didn't really know what I was even <laughs> studying, right? But yeah. I was um, consuming material from various uh, practitioners in that field who had had su- at least anecdotal success. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and success is, what, what I mean is, I mean like individuals with serious illnesses, yeah. things like multiple sclerosis, uh, mm-hmm. for example, were, yeah. you know, totally reversing that, uh, which is, of course, unheard of in the mainstream medicine. And so I was just trying to find all of the procedures and all of the natural elements that contributed to those healing stories. And at some point, I realized that um, almost everything that I had cataloged that was successful was related to detoxification. So I began studying that in earnest. And it turns out that there's actually a lot of information from the mainstream biology and medical science to inform us on that practice. And uh, but they're almost in, you know, just sitting in denial that that any of these things are important, even though they have many of the answers right uh, before their eyes. And then as I was developing this into a curriculum, and I, you know, spent over a year uh, collecting and organizing the information specifically for this course because I wanted to stand alone that even someone who wants to be a professional health practitioner can develop mastery from this information, but I also wanted it to be approachable for a novice, that Mm -hmm. you could, you know, take away all of the practical elements and um, do your own healing uh, protocols. And as I was going through that, and then I began separately to uh, look into the alchemical uh, formulations and sciences, I realized that it, it was actually describing the process of going through this healing. Um, and so it, it was a, a perfect way to help accentuate the change that you go about because, you know, alchemy is not, it's not like casting spells and, and doing magic. Um, you know, I mean, there are people maybe who try to do things like that with some of the knowledge, but it's really just another way of understanding nature and it's compatible with all other uh, religious philosophies. It's not uh, an exclusive uh, thing that, you know, you believe this way. And uh, so, and many of the, you know, most famous alchemists were uh, Christians, um, although this knowledge existed also in the East. So in the Arabic uh, culture and in the uh, Far Eastern cultures, uh, they also have uh, this sacred ancient knowledge. And so, I helped to bring this out as a way of uh, helping you to understand how to go through this process. And and as you pointed out, it's not simply a physical detox because there are the you know the three philosophies of um, of alchemy, but they correspond you know with the mind, uh, body, and soul, or mind, body, and spirit that we can all understand in our everyday lives. And you know, I learned. Andy, we lost you. Um, he probably knows that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, um, maybe you could try to go out and come back, or um, no, I would stay. I think. Uh, no, no, not me, not us. Yeah. 
Okay, I think he came back. Hang tight, listeners. Right. Hang tight. We're not editing this out. You guys can <laughs> hang with us. Breaths. That's right. You take a pad to write notes. Yes, yes, because I feel like a lot of goodness that's going to come out of this and a lot of precious nuggets. Yes. I love the um, alchemy as a way to understand nature. So mm. beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Mm. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. Mm, mm. <laughs> holding the space for you oh he left okay so he'll come back probably probably yeah yeah let's see what happened first time in two yeah that is the first time that's happened huh well guys take a moment to (laughs) boy yourselves drink do nothing just breathe just be yeah we're just being together, being together. So many things we can talk about what mm-hmm. he was talking about, the integration of the mind, body, and um, spirit, whatever you want to call that. Because even in, I think, our last episode where we're talking about the animus and we're yeah. talking about healing crisis and sometimes people lose perspective, right? That when you embark on something of that nature, there's so many layers to you that it just, it just doesn't affect one. And how right. do you integrate the changes and the processes mm-hmm. and all of those um, layers that make yeah. you. Yeah. And it's, it reminds me of when people go on a weight loss journey. Mm. I've heard, you know, of course, a lot of like, really like, you know, okay. Dramatic. Very dramatic. There's so much going on. It's not just you're losing weight, right? It's this entire process your whole self is going through. That's um, really magnificent. Yeah. We can slow down and just let it happen. Hello. (laughs) Hi. I'm terribly sorry about that. Okay. That's okay. We're just holding the space for you. So we, where were, where were you? Um, do you do remember? remember? I've talked. No, you'll, I'm sorry. I got <laughs> caught okay. up in the, trying to troubleshoot my technical okay. um, difficulties. I'll, I'll cue you up. So talking about alchemy as a process to understand nature, right? And also the multi-layers that we all encompass, not just the physical, but the mind and um, the spirit and bridging that to create this where you wanted people from all levels of understanding to be able to jump in and also and go through that process themselves or help others going through the process right no absolutely and you know in fact whether you acknowledge you're going through this process anytime you change anything you're you're always going through at least part of this process and even something as simple as making a cup of tea you're doing alchemical processes, right? You're doing yeah. uh, calcination to heat the water um, and dissolution when you put the tea leaves in in the water. Mm-hmm. So um, 
you know, and so I teach you how to apply that to your healing process. And I think what I was really getting at before was from my experience even doing mainstream psychiatry that I saw that, you know, when people had psychological experiences that were adverse, like trauma, for example, that that could directly affect their physical functioning. And when they had uh, physical insults, Right, which could, of course, also be trauma, physical trauma, but it could be other, um, you know, processes of uh, of illness or disease that that could induce psychological problems, and that both of these things uh, had also an interaction with the spiritual because it provided the context of the bigger picture of what's the purpose, and sometimes even specifically spiritual crises, like uh, specifically existential crises, which, you know, are talked about extensively in psychology, especially you look at authors like Irv Yalom, for example, um, and it's something even I was taught about at a mainstream, you know, residency at Duke University. So all of these things are, are in play in every case when you're talking about someone's health and well-being. Uh, and this is true, you know, whether they feel that they're in good health but just uh, would like to improve their vitality or their energy, uh, yeah. all the way to people, you know, who have a serious life-threatening uh, illness. Um, there's always all these components. And, you know, interestingly, um, I heard an amazing story from another psychiatrist uh, from Canada whom I met at a conference. And he... Uh, developed one of the you know most unpleasant types of cancer um, in his you know around late 60s age, which is rectal cancer, Oof. and uh, so of course he didn't want to go through the misery of having like radiation therapy um, uh, and incontinence related to that, and so he resigned himself to you know either accepting his ultimate demise from the cancer or finding another way, and he realized that when he was at a formative age in his childhood that there was a situation where his father publicly shamed him mm -hmm. um, and symbolically, although actually physically, like, you know, kicked his butt right in front of people, like not hard enough to wound him, but to like ridicule him, essentially. Yes. So he, you know, all these years later, 60 years later or whatever, yes. made this connection as he was just, you know, gaining insight about his situation. And once he realized uh, that that cancer was caused by that kick in the butt uh, 60 years earlier, yes. he went through his own healing mm -hmm. process, yeah. right, of psycho-spiritual healing, yep. and ended up with no more cancer. <laughs> yes. So now I'm not saying that everyone can um, alleviate cancer in this specific way, but that in this situation, we see how profound your yes. experience outside of the physical um, can impact your, uh, you know, your self in other dimensions. Totally. It's so beautiful what you're doing, bridging that gap, and it's so needed. We would think that throughout all this time, we really needed this big of a crisis to come forth in that way, right? To realize like, wow, we really need to integrate more. Um, I remember- Well, you know, that's, that's part really of the alchemical process because you have to break things down. 
Yes. Um, right, and that uh, is a partial destruction, right? It's like if you want, yep. if you have, a, you know, a decrepit uh, building that's unsafe and, and no longer functions, right? You have to demolish it before you can yeah. build a new structure to replace it. And the same thing is true with these change processes. So it's like you, you, you need to, um, you know, have that kind of dark and destructive uh, and dissolving force in order to bring about the equal magnitude of a transition, a shift and a transformation. Yeah, yes. And I think that, how you were saying, it's really that spiritual component, I think, that really allows for that gap to open, to go, what's in this for me? What am I here to learn through this? Or what am I here to uncover or dissolve, like you were saying, and and take responsibility? And, it's, the, it's the counter position to the um, materialist uh, you know decadence decadence position right where there is no purpose in life um you know once we are gone then we're gone forever right and that you just have to basically pursue pleasure (laughs) and individual (laughs) like ego driven uh goals uh in order to maximize your experience and but of course that's not the truth, but that is the cultural programming that we're exposed to. Mm -hmm. And when you come from that perspective, right, then you just want a shortcut. You want something that you don't want to go through difficulty, adversity. You don't want to um, experience your negative emotions fully and learn from them. You want to bypass them, cut them short, right? Get the quick fix um, and then go on to more pleasure seeking and which of course really destroys your <laughs> abilities further and and uh and and will end up in a lot of uh disability but that yeah. that's the predominant um you know paradigm that we have to overcome in order to achieve you know real peace um uh, to to get back in touch with nature and our relationship with it and um mm-hmm. have a sense of meaning in our lives mm-hmm. yeah that's it's, you know, bringing up that point of we're so conditioned that we're just machines, right? And that our bodies respond and do certain things and we have the system to, to fix or heal all these different pieces and parts of us. Um, but doing the work, like you're talking about this man who experienced a trauma when he was six and then six or something. And then when he was 60, you know, finally it showed up. I mean, it probably showed up before, right? But this was the, this was the body's last ditch effort. It's like, hey, hey, we need to look at this. So it's it's just doing that deep work. And I mean, Liz and I talk about this all the time. These past couple of years have just been so incredible, such an incredible opportunity for us to do that and to become our own gurus. So what I love about what you're doing, Andy, too, is you're because you said a lot of the language and 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 this program that you're talking about is you're finding your own way. So you're offering the information and then people are tuning in and they're finding their own way. Um, that's, you know, that's a really key shift yeah. in um, the philosophy of how you approach health because in our current culture, right, it's like it's someone else's responsibility yeah. um, to improve your health. Um, and in my philosophy, it's your responsibility. So, yep. you know, the even when I work directly with an individual, I don't do anything. I just yeah. teach. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, I help them understand. I help them generate insight. Um, I tell them things that they can't figure out on their own. But I just give them the information and I say, here, here, you know, this is what I think, you know, might be causing this. And here's some information about that. And then here are the things that people have been successful with doing. Um, and here's why they're successful. Um, and, you know, and here's some more information or here's someone else you can go to to learn more. And, you know, then I expect them now, you know, offer support, of course, and asking yeah. questions and helping problem solve. And we're working on um, actually bringing on a coach also to help people with some more practical and motivational aspects. But it's a total, you know, shift because the the truth is, is that we can all have attain enough knowledge to handle almost any basic health emergency or health situation. I shouldn't say emergency. It includes emergencies, but really any kind of situation. And we have to accept that um, in every case, what we did something to cause the health problem, um, even if it was, wasn't intentional. And so we yes, have to do right. something different to reverse that cause. And the, the materials that you would need to carry this out are very, very inexpensive and widely accessible. So it's not like you have to uh, go and spend thousands of dollars to, you know, uh, either learn this material or to acquire, you know, supplies <laughs> that, yeah, that you'll need. Right. It's very accessible, but it's a, it's a matter of, um, you know, helping people realize that, one, that they're actually capable of doing this on their own. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, that it, it's actually successful, um, when people do this and, uh, we're, we're doing some internal uh, research right now to actually, you know, quantify that to some degree, but we have already, you know, amassed so many anecdotal stories and not, you know, not just from my work, but from many other people work, people like, uh, Jennifer Daniels and Amanda Vollmer, um, and several others. Uh, that you know, we we know that people can have amazing results when they take this responsibility and they uh, you know get inspired and motivated to um, to make some changes in their life. Yeah. Would you say that it's almost like they open themselves up to the possibility of that? Therefore, it is possible at some level. Absolutely. Or somebody needs to take care of me. I don't know how to do this. I didn't go to school for that. And all of a sudden it's this kind of going back to ourselves and going, what is my body trying to tell me? What is this emotion trying to teach me? What's going on in my internal landscape that I can tend to and process and go. And as you were saying, like a shift in almost like where we're looking at. And of course, having guides and people that have, more experience in certain areas that can point. And I remember you talking about, this is a little while ago, about shifting your practice to where um, you wanted people to take that charge and that responsibility. And you wanted to be more of a guide, but not like, well, you need to do this or that. Like, okay, well, let's look to, let's look at the options here and what what's going on. And I wonder how much that has impacted, you know, your clients and the the former clients and how much of that like lingered and stayed through your own alchemical process and your own relationship with your title of a doctor and you know it's so pompous on the world that we live in and how has that shifted for you or not 
Yeah, well, this is, um, you know, of course, there's a growth and learning that occurs, uh, you know, including for me as I started to embark on this journey outside of the, you know, medical system and and practicing as a licensed uh, physician. And, you know, now I realize that not everyone is really ready to do this kind of work. Um, And there's a stepwise process for people because it is a major shift in, um, you know, how you think about health altogether. So, you know, most people start with uh, either through direct experience or or indirect experience, seeing the flaws of the allopathic health system. Um, they've had bad outcomes for themselves or friends and family, and they that opens them up to see that, that it's kind of really pervasive there. And then they start looking outside, but there are many, many traps uh, because there are many, you know, people that are trying to take advantage, um, you know, of others uh, for a buck. And so they, a lot of people have the same exact model as the allopathic system, but they just call it something more natural sounding. Yep. Uh, Right. So there's um, a path that you have to go on. And then if you continue on it and realize that you can't rely on other people to guide you, you have to take the responsibility. And then you look for, you know, people who are teaching that and that then people come to me. <laughs> so there yeah. is some like self screening that occurs. And, you know, I, I don't just get general people that come to me and want to, uh, you know, do healing. It's, it's people that are already of this mindset or, or they're on the way there. Mm-hmm. When I first started out, um, I didn't really, I thought, you know, okay, maybe I'll just work with people locally. And so a couple of uh, referrals, uh, people looking for psychiatrists came and I said, oh, are they willing to do natural healing? And a couple of them were. And what I realized is, though, that they really weren't. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So there was one really almost tragic um, um, young man that I worked with because he had what I thought to be the uh, beginnings of schizophrenia. Um, and went from, you know, being a highly functional teenager to uh, kind of just dropping off and being out of touch with things and being alone in the room and drinking too much and things like that. And originally, they just did a dietary um, cleansing protocol and had amazing results. Essentially, like the parents said, oh, our son is back. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I was like, you need to do something more definitive um, because you can't maintain this diet. First of all, you'll get malnourished over time. And then also it's just you'll face too many temptations. Mm -hmm. But he wasn't really willing. um, And I think there was some conflict in the family that they're like kind of skeptical of natural healing, even though he's got amazing results. And and then he had a couple of slip-ups with like having pizza and beer with his friends. And then boom like the next day was like right back to where he was before uh, the situation, right? And and ultimately they decided not to work with me. And it was really that they didn't want to uh, use turpentine in the healing process, which at the time I felt was the thing that would yield the best results. And so they ended up going back to a regular psychiatrist and taking antipsychotic medications. And I'm sure that, you know, that his life is not what it could have been, uh, you know, at this time. Uh, And 
so I realized that I had some other experiences like that and that I had to be uh, very, you know, just a little bit more careful and selective that because yeah. I want people to benefit from working with me. I don't want to just, you know, spend my time, make a buck, and then whatever happens, happens. Like, right. I want them to have real healing experience. Yeah. And so that mean, meant I had to be a little bit more careful. And I realized that if I work with an international group, that, you know, that that's a lot bigger population for there to be people who are of the yes. the right orientation and really ready and uh, that's worked out uh, really well for me so far. Mm. I love your story. I mean, I'm sad for the young man in your story, but of course, we know we all have our journeys. Um, but I'm curious, with psychiatry being your background, if you see value still in that system or the things that you've learned and what if you use it today like if you, i'm sure you do but like what what value do you see in that now well you know um modern psychiatry is not uh really something that i see a value because what it's really become is um and they they call it even psychopharm or psychopharmacology and they just go through mm -hmm. this you know um really unvalidated list of criteria from the special ma manual of diagnoses and then match it to medicines. And then when those medicines don't work, they just add on medicines for other mental illnesses and say that it's, you know, that they're doing something sophisticated and it doesn't result in anything good. But um, what was part of psychiatry and still is in some pockets, and, and I actually specifically sought out training opportunities where they taught this curriculum, which is, you know, psychotherapy in general, but real, real psychotherapy, like really learning specific modalities of psychotherapy, not just being a therapist that says, oh, how was your week? Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that, you know? <laughs> and, right. And so in studying um, that, and, and here's what really benefited me was when we had these direct observation um, uh, setups in my training. So like what, sometimes we, I would just videotape a session and then um, my supervisor or the group would review it afterwards. But other times we actually had this one um, clinic set up where there was a therapy room uh, where we're doing couples and family therapy and there was a one-way mirror and then there was a this bug in the ear device. Uh, oh no, sorry, that wasn't the bug. That was a there was a special phone. It was a direct line like the uh, bat phone, you know. <laughs> and so there would be like the supervisor and then a peer team in the observation room. And if they really needed to direct the student therapist, they would they could use the special phone to like call them in and say, you know, stop saying that or <laughs> or try this. But what? What was the routine was that they were uh, making an audio tape and the, the supervisor, who was a very experienced therapist, was adding in comments on the same tape so that you, as the student therapist, you take this home and you'd listen to it and you'd hear the comments in real time. And then you could hone your skills uh, really quickly. And what you learned was you learned the skills of developing a rapport and a relationship with a stranger who and creating the context to allow them to spill their guts about the most personal and intimate issues to you. 
And that, you know, there were several skills involved in that, like uh, validation, um, like, you know, summarizing, uh, summary statements, um, reflections, um, a lot of different things that help you develop this, um, you know, kind of comfort in the, the individual that they, it's a safe space, that you're really listening and paying attention, right, that they're being heard for the first time and that they can talk about things that they maybe can't talk to their wife about easily or their children. Yeah. And so those are terribly important skills. And then even therapeutic skills to help people realize the their toxic patterns and uh, the mistakes that they're, they compulsively repeat over and over again. You know, and that principles, some of the, even the Freudian principles are true to life, like the repetition compulsion, uh, where, you know, someone keeps doing the same thing and it's working for them on one level, but it's also sabotaging them on another yeah. level, right? And But they can't get out of it until they generate the insight about it. So there are things like that about how to do skillful confrontations um, that are really helped me in my current role. And then, of course, what I learned in my forensic uh, specialty was was really really helpful, uh, you know, being able to sift through large bodies of information and find pertinent uh, clues or pieces of data to speak to some issue, um, and then uh, of course what I learned about critically appraising. Uh, scientific literature, medical studies, um, and other studies like that has really, really helped me. But the specific knowledge of, you know, this and that, depression and anxiety and PTSD, it's much, 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 it's like, it's pretty obvious. So your life is screwed up, you know, you lost your job, you can't pay the bills, your wife hates you, you're depressed, (laughs) right? Of course, we know what that is. Obviously. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Wait, I thought about something. Um, yeah, I was curious. That's a question I was curious about. What draw what draw you to forensic psychiatry? Like in the midst of, if you can summarize that, because that's something I always wanted to ask. But before you say that, I just want to say, that's what I was thinking. How good you are bridging that when you talked about the scientific papers and all of that. And I take such pleasure. You really awakened the nerd in me that I didn't know I had. (laughs) I say that in the most loving way because I really enjoy listening to you and Cal and just really breaking it down and Mm -hmm. reminding me that I have the capacity to understand and I just need to put forth the effort, right? So all allegoric works and all the things that the words and the things that they use just to remember like yeah and that's a process that I did before even all of this looking into shots and all of that and it was good to reawaken that side of just like wow we're all capable of this choose we you know Science is actually really fascinating. Um, but, you know, I think the scientific establishment wants to keep it to themselves. They don't want yeah. anyone looking in. They don't want anyone realizing that half the time they're fudging their experiments exactly. <laughs> or draw, drawing erroneous conclusions. Mm-hmm. You know, they want, they want the monopoly. You know, so much of this is because of the organizational structure 
of all these establishments. It's true in the educational system and the medical system, right? And what you what you have is is a hierarchical system, but it's segregated. So, right in medicine, you know, we chop this up by body parts, right? Like you're a cardiologist, and you only know what other cardiologists yep. know, but you know that rheumatologist in a separate wing, you don't you don't know what there is going on in their world. And this, of course, helps you from realizing uh, overarching themes. Um, It's because everything is compartmentalized like that. Um, So for me, you know, the forensic aspect, really what first got me interested in it was just that I really love a good argument and debate. And uh, (laughs) I, you know, found it as a challenge. Like I really enjoyed doing model Congress uh, when I was in high school, which is, you know, really where you have uh, bills proposed and you get there and debate with uh, other people on the floor of the House or the Senate. And um, so it gave me that opportunity and, and it really helped me obviously with how uh, the work I've done over the last couple of years, but it also, um, not just in developing those forensic research skills, but also in understanding the legal system and that justice is not really the central goal of our current Mm -hmm. modern uh, legal system. There is a part of it that I mean you, that can meter justice, but um, but in general, it's in fact uh, it, it's astonishing to know that judges and lawyers don't even know the law that they're arguing much of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for bridging that gap in such a beautiful and unique way, and your voice is your voice has been really important. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I um, when you said, you know, you're really drawn to an argument or or you really like that. Right. Which is why forensic degree. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Then why you were drawn to this terrain versus term? Because it's yeah, it's uh, I say that jokingly. But well, the, this uh, Socratic uh, process, mm-hmm. right, is. It's it's vital to get to the truth of things, yeah, right? It's like if you look at the philosophy of science, right? Every um, theory that you pro- or hypothesis has to be falsifiable, right? There has to be that argument and that uh, competition, or almost, you know, not a competition to see who's the best, but a competition to see what the truth is, yeah. and um, you can never be sure that something is true without that. Right. So and- simple. And and here we are, and wow, yeah, which I love that we're here. We've taken a while to get here, but we're here. Yeah, well, and I'd love to hear you just talk a little bit about like terrain, and not necessarily just what it is, but what's underneath that for you. Like, what really drew you to this? Because you did the movie Terrain, and I mean, you've really put so much of yourself into it. And so, what is what is that about for you? What is your why there? It, it's very simple. It's it's about nature. Um, it's just nice. that I, you know, I'm a, a being in nature in the in and at. Now I live much of my life in a concrete jungle, uh, regrettably so. Mm. Um, but I just started looking at nature, and I this is what I see: how things work in nature, both with the naked eye and under the microscope. You know, as above, so below. Mm-hmm. And it fit right in with all of my observations about 
how people recover from illness using natural methods involving detoxification, that it's actually the contamination and human alteration of the natural environment or the terrain, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. And that the the natural elements can actually solve this problem all on their own if we simply stop causing the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's so simple, isn't it? <laughs> Everyone, it's so simple. It's so simple. And I think that more and more people are starting to understand that and grasp just the simplicity of that. And bridging all of that together, even the way we look at illnesses, as we were speaking before, what is it trying to tell me? How have I created this, right? What parts of myself are in disharmony or have maybe right. self trauma, abuse? And what also, what, what even is illness and what is just a natural cycle? Like when we observe right now this time of year, we're in the Northern Hemisphere, we see the leaves turning color and starting to fall off the trees. So do we call that, you know, um, tree alopecia? <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, premature uh, arboreous um, baldness. You know, we don't yeah. we don't have we don't see that as as a disease, right? But so right? so totally. what in ourselves? What what is like the leaves falling off the trees, and what is yeah. really uh, an illness that um, mm-hmm. is uh, affecting our body in a deleterious way? Yes. Right. So- Beautiful. Yeah. Mm. And it's all, I mean, which we talk about here all the time. It's all for us and there actually isn't anything wrong. Our body is pointing us to something and we may need to shift or change, you know, to go through some sort of detoxification. But if we can, I know for me, that's been so helpful. I used to be an acupuncturist and, you know, even that was still trying to fix something in a way. I mean, in a natural way, you know, of getting the chi flowing and all of that a lot. It's a great, it's a great tool. I still think that, but yeah, it's so much has shifted for me, and and um, and now it's just so helpful. And whether it's a health, whether it's disease in the physical body or in the mind or in the emotions, what is it for? You know, it's for something. If we can just slow down and be with it. Um, and I'm I'm curious, Andy, what has your if you want to share more of your story about this transition for you, this kind of awakening, which seems like maybe it was a slower process. I don't know. You said you had, there was a tragedy, something that was that like a quick kind of, Oh my gosh, like awakening moment, or was it slower or what was that like for you? No, there was, I mean, it, 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 like it kind of built up a little bit slowly. Like it was, um, it, it was actually first I had, um, You know, I'm a little bit almost embarrassed to say this, but I thought at the time, uh, the first time Bernie Sanders ran for president, that he was really going to do some things that were really good if he were in office. And so the first thing is when I realized at the Democratic convention that summer how he was, like, just pushed out, um, right, in an unfair, behind-the-scenes kind of way, that kind of shocked me to see oh this is the this is the reality of how politics works and then um a few months later my brother my only brother uh passed away from a drug overdose mm-hmm. and so it was you know there was a obviously a period of of just grief but then it was like 
it seemed everything was just open and upside down in my life. Yeah. Um, everything was in question. And that's when I said, all right, I'm going to just open up to a different viewpoint. Or I'm going to maybe, I, you know, mm. because I really, when I did that, I was trying to prove that I was correct and was almost like to validate the old me before experiencing these uh, tragic events. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what I saw is that, no, there was no turning back, that I only had to look forward. And then that turned into nice. a very rapid uh, change uh, for me personally. I went through quite a lot of um, transformation during that time. And then just, you know, another couple of years later, again, going through the divorce. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so it was a lengthy process, but you know, it's, it's really a lifelong process for me now because I, I haven't stopped. And, you know, I think we go through periods where we have more accelerated development because we have to, um, you know, be ready to, uh, go through that next round of, you know, work and we can always do, you know, things gradually on an ongoing basis. Um, but, you know, so I feel like I've been through two of those very profound, um, you know, episodes of transformation. Yeah. And I, I feel a third one coming on. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of resisting it a little bit, uh, but, but I know, I know it's, in, it's soon. It's well, in we're all here together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your vulnerability and opening up like that in, um, yeah, and honoring that part of yourself. Now, my question or comment, yeah, question. How do you feel the courage inside to do what you do? And looking back when this all started, and as you said, the the sacrifice of your license and, you know, maybe relationships and things that were well established in your world. When you look back at that and you, you feel yourself now, how, what is that courage like for you? Do you feel natural sitting at it? Do you feel like you have moments or? Well, it, it doesn't really even feel like courage anymore because, you know, looking back, uh, because I really prepared myself to um, speak against the mainstream and, you know, speak against many of my peers. Yeah. Um, and so, I knew that it would put those relationships and that career and those affiliations at risk. And so what I did was I just got to a point where I realized that those things didn't serve me in their current embodiments. Mm -hmm. And that if, let's say, a relationship I had with someone, if they were able to move on with me, into a more truthful embodiment, then that would be amazing, an amazing outcome. But that if they weren't, that it was actually going to hold me back to maintain those, yeah. those ties. And so when I actually did that and I experienced that separation from people and things, it was almost a relief mm-hmm. that I didn't have the burden of pretending to uh, live that way anymore, that I could be honest about my um, experience of learning more truthful things, mm-hmm. and that I could 
you know, keep the door open, that anyone who wanted to come on board and explore that with me was welcome, but if they weren't, that I wish them well and allow them to, you know, stay where they were while I moved on. And that was just where I was at. It had to be that way because I'm very, very strongly motivated by justice. And at that time in the world, I immediately saw injustice everywhere. And so, like, I had to serve that part of me to be true to myself. And it almost, you know, any of the consequences of that were just serving that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pursuit of truth and justice. And I was able to let go of the attachments to those other things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, I was, there was, the, the biggest thing that I was fearful of when that happened was, am I going to be able to continue to provide the resources for my family? Yeah. And, but I had faith that, um, that, you know, like I had experience and, that, um, you know, things would just work out okay. And, and when it happened, and I uh, called upon some of my, you know, uh, fellows to give advice and support, uh, I just had an immediate tremendous response that mm-hmm. everyone wanted to um, offer me support and advice. And that when I opened up um, my consultations to the people who I had been, you know, trying to educate, that they all signed up like right away. And I was able yeah. to just make a smooth transition, even though without any planning. And I, I was a bit disorganized even from at the beginning. It took a while to, to make it a well-oiled machine, but you know, I was really blessed. And I have observed so many other people when they get to that point and they have that courage to take the risk that um, when they have you know, the right intention and the, the right motivation, which just yeah. means doing it for, you know, a good moral um, uh, reason, um, you know, to benefit and contribute to the world and humanity um, that we experience, that things are going to actually work out just fine mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. for you, um, you know, how they're supposed yeah. to. Yes. And we'll, we'll, we'll link up the amazing things that you're doing, you know, with True Medicine University. And I mean, there's so much good that has come out of that. And also what you were saying, like organizing all of that, it created something that you could offer um, to everyone, which is really beautiful. And I really have to say that I just love like the designs and the layouts and it's really thought off and you really feel that bridging of all of it. It's not just one thing, you know, it's everything coming together. It's very multi-layered for me personally. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, you know, I, we were really, and I really have to thank um, some of my team members for this because I have, you know, two amazing artists that I work with. Um, and, um, you know, I, I have other folks who just, they really looked at this material from the point of view of what it would be like being a student, mm-hmm. um, you know, because uh, sometimes, you know, I try to be very conscious of this, but I can maybe, you know, use some of that scientific language <laughs> yeah. um, and things like that. Um, and we wanted to make sure that, like, you know, so we had to put in, like, a list of vocabulary words that, yeah. um, and, you know, give uh, 
places, to, you know, a link for a medical dictionary, um, yeah. right, and things like that to make sure that as you're going through it, no matter what level that you're at when you start the course, that the resources are there for you to, to catch up to yeah. a, a higher level of understanding through your own effort. Um, and so, so making sure we have all of those materials like in place and in a way that is user friendly, right? That you could just pick up the, you know, open up this document and say, oh, it's obvious how to use this. <laughs> oh, right. and it tells me where to find everything, right? right? Um, that kind of thing um, to, to give a good experience. And the same thing with, you know, the way that I did the lectures there, like it's not like this PowerPoint Zoom style, right? <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm the, the professor in a classroom with a whiteboard Right, because I'm uh -huh. I'm actually now I'm not just exposing you to to something, right? Like this interview, mm. right? We can only go so deep because we right. want to right cover a lot of topics and say you know inspire people to look further. Right. But that course, right? That's that's teaching you this core material, this core syllabus, and so I get into that teacher mode, yeah. um, and so that you look at me when you're learning these concepts, and then all the materials that I reference, they're all there for you at your leisure to go through in detail, uh, you know, in full length. And then there's even uh, resources for beyond the expert level that if you want to take it to the next step, right? Here are the books and articles you can read. Yeah. yeah. And we're going to link everything up so people can find that. Um, and yeah, anybody who engages with that course, I can only imagine the blessings for them. Um, Andy, our last question that we like to ask people is, in the past couple of years in your search, well, I know it's been more than a few years, but in your search for truth, what have you learned about yourself? Who, um, you know, many, many, many things. Like uh, one thing is that, uh, and this really doesn't just apply to me, but if you just pursue your passion and try to do it to the best of your ability that it will have a influence beyond your expectations mm. um, and you may not realize this all the time um, you know like uh, sometimes in the digital age right you people look oh how many views did i get or uh, yeah. things like that but but it doesn't matter because you you can feel it that what you're doing if what you're doing is really important that it will have that impact, even if no one else directly knows about it. It will still act through, you know, morphic resonance or through the akasha, right. um, <laughs> yeah. however you want to look at it. Yeah, it it will bring a positive effect yeah. out there. And so, when I embark upon things, I try to focus my energy on that. Mm. And um, you know, learning that truism has really uh, helped provide a lot of motivation and clarity to um, how I, I do things. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So Thank you so much. You in this yes. <laughs> Thanks for being here today. We've enjoyed it so much. Yeah, yeah it was, it was really um, a, a nice kind of discussion. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Andy. For listening and being here. Um, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, see you next time, everyone.